presenting sponsor of the My Hockey Live podcast is Sullivan Tire. Bob Sullivan started Sullivan Tire and Auto Service in 1955 with the aspirations to have a company that treated customers and employees like a member of the family. For over 60 years, we are still a family-owned business and we continue on with this value. We've continued to grow and serve customers throughout New England. Our business consists of neighborhood auto service facilities, commercial truck centers, retread manufacturing facilities, a wholesale division, and a small company that install vehicle lifts, all serving the customer the way Bob Sullivan would have wanted. At Sullivan Tire and Auto Service, each and every person who walks through our door is important. No job is too small and no customer request too big. We will give you prompt, efficient, and quality work provided by highly trained professionals using state-of-the-art equipment. We strive to differentiate ourselves by offering exceptional service, brand-name tires and parts, and the best-trained staff in the industry. With locations throughout New England, go to SullivanTire.com. We're always here to get you there. Welcome to the My Hockey Life Podcast. This is Brandon Hall, joined with Jake Levin here uh, on the preview of Championship Sunday coming up Sunday the 18th at TD Garden, starting early at 9 a.m. Uh, with the girls' D2 games, leading all the way to the night capper, which is the D1A Super 8 Championship. Jake, how's it going? Brandon, I am doing quite well. Very exciting here. We just got our assignments, what games we're going to be calling on Sunday. Uh, we'll uh, leave that up to the imagination so people can... Have a, no, no spoiler alerts here, but uh, we'll start with the D1A championship game. We've got Pope Francis versus BC High. Pope Francis ends, uh, goes into Sunday at 21-4-3 with 123 goals for and 57 goals against versus BC High's 18-4-1, 92 goals for, 25 goals against. Uh, don't have any stats for BC High. They keep those pretty tight to the vest, but uh, we do have a couple of numbers for Pope Francis. Um, Mac Demers, 18 goals, 24 assists, 42 points. And Brendan Namer, 25 goals, 22 assists for 47 points. Um, Jake, how, what do you see as the matchup here? Oh, well, can I say first things first, I'm a little disappointed we're not getting BC High Hingham uh, round three this season. They've played some uh, great games, particularly their uh, winner's bracket final on Monday night. Uh, Hingham had the lead in the third period, 2-1. to one. And their power play was cooking. And then last night, I obviously wasn't at the game. I was uh, up in Stoneham at the Hanover game. And when I saw on Twitter that Hingham had a five-on-three power play and they didn't score, I kind of knew they were going to regret that. I didn't think it would turn into a 6-0 shellacking. But uh, a tough way to end. Just a great run for this Harborman team. A Division One title as freshmen, followed by three Super 8s, and they'll bounce back. They always do. Now, looking ahead, BC High and Pope Francis. This is, you would think this may have been a Super 8 championship matchup in the past, but BC High hasn't been to the Garden since 2012, which is a crazy drought by their standards. You know, I'm not talking Chicago Cubs, but that's a long time. And Pope Francis has never played for a Super 8 championship. Hard to believe. And that goes back even to their days at Springfield Cathedral. They had those great regular seasons, particularly... I believe it was the 2015 season. They were unbeaten, and then they fell to St. John's Prep in the semifinal in overtime. Uh, so these are two teams that are overcoming some recent history that hasn't been all that kind to of them. BCI hasn't won the Super 8 since 2007. Pope Francis has never won it. And again, that goes back to their time at Springfield Cathedral. Uh, you got a high-flying offense against, in my opinion, the best goalie in the state, 
in Luke Garrity. Uh, he's been awesome uh, watching him. I mean, the only goals Hingham scored on him were on the power play, so that really tells you all you need to know about how well he's played throughout this tournament. Uh, it's going to come down to the freshman goalie at Pope Francis, and the way he played against St. John's Prep, it was absurd in that Monday semifinal game, and then obviously um, loser's bracket semifinal, I should say. And then this isn't an elite Hingham offense, but you hold them off the scoreboard, that still is pretty impressive. So the goalie, of course, I'm talking about here, it's... it's um, <laughs> The freshman, Ben Zeranek, and he's been dynamite and the savior for the Cardinals. And they're the first 10 seed, the first play-in team, I should say, uh, to make the Super 8 final since 2013. So we have the two-seed BC High versus the 10-seed Pope Francis. Um, and the 10-seed is a little bit deceiving, calling them a 10-seed. Uh, but <laughs> that's another story for another day. You um, got that right. Which team do you think holds the advantage, you know, looking at it from a Certainly not from a gambler's perspective, because gambling on high school athletics would be disgusting. But who, who would you say is the is the favorite going into this game? It just feels like BC High's year. It does. I think with a couple of teams in the Catholic Conference having down years, namely Malden Catholic, it just feels like their year, the Kramer brothers, you know, name that Kramer, as we like to say on My Hockey Live, they're firing on all cylinders, and I do believe Luke Garrity's the best goalie uh, in high school hockey currently, um, I, not to put too much pressure on the kid. I like the Eagles on Sunday, I do. Yeah, and Pope Francis has been a good story all season, um, it, but, it, you know, they've kind of come, they, they've come from near death you know, almost not making the Super 8 uh, to the championship game here. And, um, you know, they were in the loser's bracket, and they, they survived that to face off against BC High. So um, I, I'd have to agree with you. I do think BC High is the favorite. Um, so let's move on to D1. We've got Marshfield versus Waltham. Marshfield finishes their uh, their run heading to the Garden 15-6-5, 67 goals for, 41 goals against. Their top players, Tim Doyle, 9 goals, 13 assists for 22 points. Paul Rourke, 10 goals, 9 assists, 19 points. And Kevin Moriarty, 10 goals, 9 assists, 19 points. Against Waltham, 17-5-2, uh, 74 goals against, goals for, 32 goals against. Uh, their top players, Connor Blanchard, 13 goals, 15 assists, 28 points. Andrew Miller, 12 goals, 10 assists, 22 points. And goalie Kyle Penton with a 9.37 save percentage, a 1.41 goals against average, and six shutouts. Um, what do you see between uh, the Rams and the Hawks? Waltham had the best win by any team in Massachusetts in the regular season, and that was a 1-0 win over Central Catholic that wound up being uh, sort of the beginning of the end for the Raiders. They all were obviously still the number one seed in the Super 8, but that sort of laid the blueprint, I guess, and then Hingham beats them, and then Pope Francis eliminated them. So that was the single most impressive win in the regular season, and that tells me that Waltham can beat anybody. Now, did they have a couple of letdowns after beating Central Catholic? Yes. How did they react to that by getting passed over by the Super 8 committee? I went in the Division 1 North. So clearly, they're over that snub, which you love to see. And meanwhile, in the other corner, it's this under-the-radar Marshfield team that goes to the Super 8 last year, and they just get depleted by graduations and defections and things of that nature. And here they are, the well-oiled machine. It's just a program success there and Dan Connolly deserves 
all of the credit, is one of the very best coaches in the entire state yep. for the job he's done this year, getting this team back to the garden. Uh, I don't really feel feel comfortable making a pick in this game because I also have such a great respect for John McGuire and all the work he's put in at Waltham through the years. And uh, Waltham, they used to be a perennial Super 8 contender. And they haven't been to the Super 8, I think we're going on about 15 years now. But he has them relevant in the discussion every year. And uh, this is going to be a low-scoring game, I will say that. That's kind of Marshfield's M.O., uh, of course, overtime win over Braintree. Um, I, I will say it will be a low-scoring game. That, that would be my only pick in uh, the Division One game. Yeah, Marshfield, 4 nothing win over Duxbury to start in the first round, a 3-2 win over Barnstable, a 3-1 win over Needham, and then a one one nothing win in OT against Braintree uh, to get to where they are. Um, and in looking at Waltham, um, what Waltham had to do, uh, they had they defeated Medford two nothing. They defeated Belmont three two in overtime, and that's then, a good Belmont team. And a very good Belmont team, yeah. Um, Ten six and four record, a, a bit on the deceiving side considering where they're playing. Uh, but the six nothing win over Winchester uh, for Waltham last night um, being the deciding factor here, uh, sending Waltham to the Garden. Um, you know, both of these teams have terrific coaching staffs. Um, have a hard time picking against Marshfield considering their their pedigree um, you know I would say for, for me Marshfield is probably the prohibitive favorite um, because of uh, their experience last year and Marshfield they've been to the garden 06 11 they won it those years 2013 they lost uh, we're in the south final in 2016 the super raid last year I know Waltham hasn't been up every single one of those years, but they do have that title back in 2002. Uh, just two great programs, two great coaching staffs. Um, I'm just hoping for a good game there. Right, right, and it's hard to root against either of these two teams. Um, moving on to the D2 uh, final, we have the Plymouth South Panthers at 19-3-2, and 107 goals for and 62 goals against versus the Stoneham Spartans, 18 uh, 18- Four and two, 92 goals for, 45 goals against. Um, Stoneham does not have stats available as well on uh, on any of our websites that we have access to. Um, Plymouth South, we can only speak um, to what we know anecdotally. Um, some of the top players with Plymouth South, obviously it begins and ends with Sean Colbert, um, over 50 points this season. Um, you know, look at some of the hero- their heroics through the South uh the South Division II bracket. Daniel Lincoln comes to mind. Alex Hayward comes to mind. Um, Peckham. And, of course, Peckham, right? <laughs> Matthew with the, Peckham. With, with Matthew Peckham with what is literally a buzzer-beater goal. Um, you just never see it. Which you never see. And, we, we, you know, having watched the replay of it a thousand times and, uh, you know, having watched the game and, and you calling it, um, it still doesn't make sense to me. Um, but all of it comes from... It really starts in the back end with Cam McPhee, who has just been so good for the Panthers all season long. For as little sense as a buzzer-beating win makes, what makes even less sense almost is that win over Canton. And I don't mean that Canton was a better team than Plymouth South. What I mean is that the Panthers scored two goals in the first minute. 
they tack on another to take a 3-0 lead. And when Canton tied it up 3-3 with less than two minutes to go in the third period, it felt like when Danny Amendola caught the two-point conversion in Super Bowl 51, it's 28-28, and oh my God, 28-3. And then, rather than Wilton and, you know, taking a knee, playing for overtime, if you will, Joey Van Winkle, 14 seconds later, takes the lead right back for Plymouth South. And their blue line's been awesome, too, with Jake Warwick and Peter Fantoni. Uh, just the storybook run this team is on. I have a hard time picking against South. And the way those Medway and uh, Canton games particularly unfolded, I can only imagine what they have up their sleeves for a grand finale. Yeah, just uh, looking at Plymouth South's road to the Garden, um, they defeated Quincy 3-1, to they defeated Medway 2-1, to they defeated Canton 5-3, to and they defeated Medfield 6-3. to um, some of those some of those scores there are a bit deceiving, especially as you get closer to the champion the South Championship, um, due to the fact that there were some empty net goals. Um, right. You know, um, South has, as you said, kind of had this team of destiny feel to it all season. Um, Coach Mike McCosh, um, you know, they finished second in the Patriot League behind Hanover. Uh, we'll no touch, shame there. We'll touch on Hanover in a second, uh, <laughs> but the, you know, they finished second in the Patriot League in the Fisher side. Um, to Hanover. Hanover still hasn't been beaten yet this season. Um, but what South and, and Coach Mike McCosh have done in the amount of time that he has been there uh, is nothing short of remarkable uh, for a smaller school, smaller sized school on the South Shore to be successful year in and year out is really impressive. Now, what Stoneham does have going for it, and again, I haven't seen Stoneham play quite as much, but they beat Arlington, they beat Reading, they beat Burlington. And those are, you know, the powers that be in the Middlesex League. Arlington won the Super 8 last year. Burlington was in the Super 8 this year. I know it was a, a kind of a down year by Reading standards, but nevertheless, Stoneham beat all of them. They beat a very good Wilmington team in the regular season. Uh, twice, might I add. That was a season sweep. So going just off of those wins and who they've beaten, I don't think you can take Stoneham lightly at all. But, again, I'm buying into this South Magic, and I like the Panthers. And uh, I don't know. How about an overtime buzzer beater this time? <laughs> uh, Stoneham's path to the Garden, their road to the Garden, starts with a 6-2 win in the first round over Tewksbury. In the quarterfinals, a 5-0 win over Pentucket. Semifinal victory, 4-1 over Wilmington. And a 2-1 win uh, over Boston Latin. Um, to my knowledge, I believe this is the first championship appearance for both teams. Is that correct? It is. Yeah. It is, to my knowledge. I know South was in the Division Two South final in 2011. They lost to Franklin. Huh, Franklin in Division Two. That didn't last long. And Stoneham, uh, I believe, same deal. Yeah, and uh, so that should be a really exciting game as well. Uh, Division Three, we have Hanover versus Shrewsbury. Um, Hanover and Shrewsbury both winning in their respective games last night to get to the Garden on Sunday. Hanover with a 5-0 victory uh, over Swampscott. Hanover is 24-0-1 with 132 goals for and 28 goals against. Uh, they are led by Zach Taylor, who had 36 goals and 25 assists for 61 points in the regular season. Uh, Connor Morris, 24 goals, 15 assists, 29 points. Lucas Lanigan, 17 goals, 22 assists, 39 points. Uh, and goaltender Kevin Chandler, um, who had 15 appearances this season. Kevin Chandler was so good, and Hanover was so good, they didn't need to play Chandler in every game. 
Chandler had 15 appearances, and I want you to sit down when you listen to these numbers. <laughs> in 15 appearances, nine goals against all season in 15 appearances. A you think nine goals against nine is goals impressive? Against. How, about, how about nine shutouts in 15 appearances? Nine shutouts, a .60 goals against average, and an obscene, <laughs> obscene 970 save percentage. Just silly numbers. So I see your Luca Garrity, and I raise you a Kevin Chandler. <laughs> Boy, I would uh, I, I would pay to watch those two duel it out. Uh, that, that would be a fun one. Uh, here's the thing about Hanover. We know they lead the state in goals with 132. That's at every level. Boys, Division One, Two, Three. 3. Uh, girls, Division One, Two. 2. Hanover has more than all of them. They're the only team outscoring their opponents by more than 100 goals. But in the postseason, and they face some very good teams like Rockland, like Hopkinton. Uh, maybe they didn't face Hopkinton this year. What am I saying? But nevertheless, they are outscoring their opponents in the postseason twenty-eight to one. Answer: It's this is you know if they do complete this uh, Sunday against Shrewsbury, it's going to be the great answer to a trivia question: Who's the only player to score a goal against Hanover in the two thousand eighteen postseason? It'll yeah. Be, Colin DiNardo of Bishop Stang in the third period uh, made it 2-1. And that's really the only close call Hanover's had was against uh, the Spartans in what would have been the quarterfinals. Right, their road to the Garden, Hanover defeated Abington 9 to nothing. Largest win of the season yep. in the first round of the playoffs. They defeated Bishop Stang 2-1, the only goal they've given up all postseason. They defeated Ashland 6 to nothing. They defeated Rockland 6 to nothing. And Mike then, Flaherty said that this might have been the greatest Rockland team he's ever coached. I just want to let that sink in. And, and he's right, by the way. This Rockland team was absolutely incredible. And, that, that's impressive. And I don't think the 6 nothing is indicative of the kind of game that it was because Rockland only lost to Hanover 2-1 to one in the regular season. Correct. I think those teams play seven times. Hanover probably wins a seven-game series, 4-3, to 4-2. to two. But the 6 nothing that's an outlier. But yeah. it still speaks to just how good the Indians can be when they kick it up a notch. Right. And then the North-South final, um, Hanover defeated Swampscott 5 nothing, and that was last night. Um, moving on to the other side, uh, we have Shrewsbury, 19-2-2, two and two, 104 goals for, 47 goals against. They are led by Anthony and Liam Quinlivan. They're twins. Uh, Anthony, 21 goals, 28 assists, 49 points. Liam, 27 goals, 20 assists, 47 points. Uh, and goaltender Patrick Shaughnessy, who saw the most rubber um, of their backstoppers, with an 896 save percentage and a 2.04 goals against average. Fun fact about Shrewsbury. Er, I think this might speak a little bit more to Canton. Canton tied Shrewsbury in their second game of the regular season, 1-1 just as Hanover did, tied uh, Canton in the second game of the regular season. Now, the difference is Hanover hasn't lost or tied since Shrewsbury. They only have two losses uh, since then to Division One Super 8 team, uh, Super 8 team, rather, St. John's Shrewsbury. And then they lost to a good Algonquin team in the regular season finale. This Shrewsbury team, they beat Framingham this year. They beat Natick this year. They beat Acton Boxborough, which I know is down, has been down for a while, but nevertheless, that's a Division One team in the North. They smoked Coyle and Cassidy, a very good Coyle and Cassidy team. They beat Lincoln Sudbury, a Division Two team that was at the Garden two years ago. Uh, this pound for pound, 
the Hanover Shrewsbury game might be the best matchup on Sunday. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. This is a heavyweight matchup, and again, these two teams have met previously in the state final. Uh, Hanover went out to a one nothing lead uh, and probably lost seven to one to that Shrewsbury team uh, four years ago. Yes, yeah. 20, uh, 2014. So you know what I talk? I talked to the True Craddy about this last night. Uh, one of the Hanover captains after the game, and none of these kids were on the team. Obviously, none of them were in high school. The seniors were in eighth grade. But he said, yeah, it'd be nice to write that wrong from uh, a couple years ago. And those weren't his exact words. It was just sort of the implication, like, yeah, it'd be nice to, you know, win one for the kids who couldn't win it a couple years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, Hanover and Shrewsbury, it's going to be one of the top matchups of the day. I totally agree with you. Um, So we move over to the girls' side. Uh, In Division I, we have Woburn versus the Tewksbury-Methuen co-op team. Uh, Woburn is 23-0-2 with 93 goals for and 25 goals against. Uh, they are led by possibly the best player in the state right now, Georgie Santulo. 30 goals, 13 assists, 43 points this season. Georgie Santulo in two seasons, in the last two seasons, her junior and senior year, has had 104 points. Yeah, that's not too bad. 104 points in two seasons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Cassidy Connolly, her line mate, 10 goals, 15 assists for 25 points. And Marissa Gregory, 9 goals, 17 assists, 26 points. On the other side, Tewksbury-Methuen, 22-1-2, 97 goals for, 28 goals against, led by Kelly Galini, 32 goals, 20 assists, 52 points. And Carolyn Curley, 16 goals, 15 assists, 31 points. I do know that Woburn still does not have a blemish on its record. Uh, they have the two ties, if you can call that a blemish. And they had to take out another unbeaten team in the semifinal, Austin Prep, that has been at the Garden uh, the last several seasons. So I'm buying into this Woburn team being battle-tested. But then again, this Tewksbury-Methuen team seems like they're always on a big run, too. Jeez, uh, I, I respect... Woburn having to beat Austin Prep to get to this game, and that takes nothing away from Tewksbury Methuen. Uh, that just speaks to me just how legit Woburn is. And not that Tewksbury Methuen isn't. See, I'm already backtracking. I don't feel comfortable picking this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, agreed. You you know, you look at it, and it's it's two teams with uh, combined. They have one loss between the two of them. Um, I got to think that Woburn's experience um, – maybe is the deciding factor in this game, but this is a pick-up for me. Yeah, this this will come to overtime. I, I've got a feeling. Although, you you know, you get a player like Georgie Santulo on the ice, she's such a difference maker. Um, I think, you know, maybe she is the reason why Woburn wins this game. These two teams are pretty evenly matched, I think. I really do. I'm with you. I am with you. It's it's gonna be. It's, it's, these are all gonna be good games. I don't think we're getting any blowouts this year. Not that we often get blowouts. I, I think it's really gonna be six good games. Uh, let's move on to this last game here, quick. Yeah. We, I, so we I, get the D two. <laughs> right. We get the D two girls game. Uh, we both we're both on timelines here. So we apologize to our listeners, but we've got the D two girls game. It's Canton versus Wellesley. Canton is eighteen three and three. Seventy six goals for. Twenty one goals against. 
versus Wellesley, 18, 2, and 3, 101 goals for, 27 goals against. Canton is led by Maggie Malloy, 13 goals, 13 assists, 26 points. Lauren Fitzpatrick, 14 goals, 9 assists, 23 points. And goaltender Colleen Kelleher, a 9.53 save percentage and a 0.9 goals against average. Uh, meanwhile, Wellesley is led by Jenna Harrison, 7 goals, 28 assists, and 35 points. And Mackenzie O'Neill's 18 goals, 10 assists, and 28 points. I do know this Wellesley team, not this specific Wellesley team, but Wellesley went to the Garden three years in a row. I believe it was the 2013, 14, and 15 seasons, or maybe 14, 15, 16, lost all three. I would love to see them get over the top. Uh, I'm sure, that, I guess there would be some seniors left from that run, maybe even some juniors. Uh, it's hard not to root for a team like that, but then again, this Canton team, they're loaded too. It's one of those things. Yeah, I mean, you think about the, you think about the winters that both of these athletic departments have had. Canton boys and girls hockey and Wellesley boys and girls hockey, um, both yep. just outstanding winters. And, and to have uh, have two teams represented in the uh, state final, obviously, it's a huge deal for your athletic department. But um, you could have easily swapped out Canton girls for Canton boys and Wellesley girls for Wellesley boys. Um, you know, in their respective divisions. Certainly. You know, uh, they've had such good seasons. So, uh, in a game like this, Jake, who do you think? Give me Wellesley just to just just for the sake of getting over that proverbial hump finally that they came oh so close uh, a couple years ago to getting over. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Canton in this one, um, just because of what Colleen Kelleher has done. Um, okay. From from in in between the pipes. Uh, Jake, any final thoughts here on uh, before uh, Championship Sunday? Um, go Roadie. <laughs> go Roadie is right. Uh, so <laughs> I got we, my Rhode Island Rams playing in about 25 minutes here, so by the time this podcast airs, uh, you know they're either going to have won or lost against Oklahoma. So I'm going to be a puddle after this. <laughs> I, I'm all I'm already tense now. <laughs> so we wish both the, the we wish the Rams and Jake well, as well as all of our teams competing on Sunday in the MIA State Championships at TD Garden. Those games begin at 9 a.m. Uh, they'll all be live streamed through the NFHS, NFHS Network. Uh, you can go to nfhsnetwork.com. You can also go to myhockeylive.com um, and check out all the stats, standings, and previous games, as well as a redirect to that NFHS website. Jake, as always, it's been a pleasure. Brandon, pleasure as always, man. We will uh, see you Sunday. We'll see you Sunday. All right. That'll do it for the My Hockey Live podcast. Uh, we will have probably one more episode to finish the season with the state championship recap. Uh, until then, like and subscribe on iTunes. Have a great one.